expanding the Nerdosphere, talking about everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia. Welcome to episode 28 of Down and Nerdy, where we definitely know the dumb dumb Dugan is not a crazed lollipop villain. Yes, although he... Imagine a lollipop with a mustache, though. That would be great. Although I think they did that in South Park. I, I, I it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they had a towel that smoked pot and yeah. uh, piece of shit that talked. Exactly. I'm James with him alongside Nick Battaglia. And uh, you posted this on uh, on Facebook the other day about how we're actually approaching our thirtieth episode, and that's just crazy to me. It's it's crazy. Like when I go on SoundCloud, you know, I was like I said I posted as well. I checked the numbers the other day, and you know. We have a big lot of following in, in Australia, and and one you I told you about you were shocked. I was Thailand, um, which was you know in, uh, in Germany. That's crazy, Spain. Thailand. Yeah, um, but what's great is that you know we I look at all the past shows, and what's great is that you know there's shows that may have like seven listens or eight, but now they have like 13, 14. So people are going back and are listening to previous episodes, which shows. Hey, we're probably doing a great job, you know, as far as content, as far as just entertaining people. So, you know, thank you, everybody. I mean, you know, 30 episodes, you look back and you're like, it doesn't seem that long. It doesn't. It, seem doesn't. Like it really doesn't. You know, it doesn't seem like six, seven months have passed. You know, I mean, it, it, it literally, you know, you feel, it feels like, you know, yesterday we were do Cody was on the first, on our second show, we were talking about, you know, trendy nerds. And it's just... It's a. It shows of how far we've gone, you know, from our our dreaded, if you will, first episode where we were just like, yeah. "Oh God," you know, it was our first episode. You know, the pilots are never that great, so, uh, you know, it, it, when you look at something like that and just where we are and where and where we're going, especially next month. Next month's gonna be a big month for us. You know, privately we can't talk about this publicly really, but you and I have some stuff planned. You know, um, if. Comic Con goes really well for us next month, and and um, you know hopefully we get those things rolling and and take this to a whole new level. Just know that we've always got ideas for you because you know it's not just about expanding our brand uh, here at Down and Nerdy. It's about expanding the nerd brand, and I think a lot of people are doing that well. And we just want to be a part of that because we think that now's the time. I mean, it's always been the time, but now especially is the time to just expand the nerd brand. I think. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, you, you want to get it out there, and and not just the nerd brand. I'm gonna say this right now. Um, you, the you want, you want to expand the nerd brand of. We don't want to be, you know, there's nerds like, for example, uh, a friend of ours Facebook post. He was talking about the Batmobile, and somebody was talking about like, oh, Hollywood hasn't made anything, any good Batman things. And he goes, you know, he goes, uh, or Hollywood just doesn't get Batman, and he just talked about Adam West. I'm like, so wait a minute. You're saying that Hollywood doesn't get Batman, yet you realize and you said your favorite thing was the Adam West, you know, TV show. So it's like you're kind of counter, you know, counter flipping right there. And again, we don't want to be the type of nerds that's like, oh, that was terrible. You know, we don't want to be the comic book guys, you know, the the worst episode ever. You know, we don't want to be like yeah. that. Yeah, that's incredibly frustrating for me. I think I said that unless unless Disney and Marvel make a movie, everybody seems to always have a problem with something that's going on. Right. And again, it's like we understand there's going to be people that, that there's going to be nerds out there and geeks that are like, you know, we wish it stayed truer to the comics or anything like that. Right. Like that. Though but what I want, you know, as somebody who studied film, 
we, as nerds and geeks, we need to look into film as, as, as just, hey, it's not going to be shot for shot. There's going to be changes, whether it's big or small or whatever. You know, like Federale said, you know, shows ago, let's, why can't we just be grateful that we live in a time where these movies are being made and they look amazing? Yeah, see, that's my point. I mean, can't we just enjoy anything ever? I mean, can we do we do we need to really just keep picking apart every little thing? Because, and I'm not saying that that the things that are coming out are infallible. There's problems. I mean, we've gone at a great length into saying what has problems and what doesn't. But I mean, you got to appreciate things. The the time that we're in is an amazing time. But oh yeah, and and to you know wrap up to wrap up. Uh... You know, um, my take on, on this, you know, he goes, oh, the Burtons were crap and stuff like that. And I said, they were not. I go, people still claim to them today. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I take, you know, Danny Elfman's score and Michael Keaton over, you know, the Bat Dance and Shark Repellent any day. You know, oh, definitely, I'm, yeah. You know, and, and it's like, and, people, and, and one thing about the Batmobile, too, people, people are flipping out, oh, it's got machine guns. Yeah. So did every Batmobile ever had machine guns. The first Batman had his machine guns in the in the in the hood, you know. So it's like, and then he goes on and says, "Well, well, Batman was using guns and, and killing people." It's like, yeah. Then I posted a, uh, I posted one of those. Let me, just, I'll just leave this here kind of moments. And it was a, a story from Newsarama about the ten times Batman and Superman killed their enemies. And it's like, yeah, people don't realize, you know, up until the 1940s. You know, Batman killed. He used guns. And yeah. even in, in, in certain wrong in 2009, you know, he killed the Joker. You know, I mean, it's, it's you know, there's time. You know, nobody has a squeaky clean record when it comes to superheroes. And, and it goes for, and it goes for all the, all the companies too. So, I mean, it's just, you just got to relax and just enjoy these films and enjoy the new stuff that's coming out. As a matter of fact, we'll be talking about Assault on Arkham here coming up, which is a brand new story in the DC universe. And that was very different. We'll talk about that coming up, but I also want to acknowledge, uh, because we're recording this on Thursday, which is the 13th anniversary of the September 11th attacks. And we just wanted to take a minute to acknowledge that and thank our military. Thank the first responders, the volunteers, you know, that just do all the things to help keep us safe and let us do this show like down and nerdy and be able to enjoy comic books and things like that. We really appreciate them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, the first responders, the police and the firefighters, even the people that, you know, off the streets that say, you know, I want to help, you know, you know, put, take a pail and fill it with rubble and, and you know, clear the site out and everything. And, you know, you know everybody, one thing I said on my personal Facebook was, and even on Twitter, I said, you know, I go, it's been 13 years since the attacks. And I, I don't like, and it's not that I don't like seeing it, but it's kind of like, you know, it's not about where everybody's going, like, oh, I was here, I was there. It's like, yeah, we, we know that, right, because you said last year. And it's at the point, you know, even even at the beginning, it's like, okay, it's not about you. It's about these families who lost their loved ones in these terrible tragedies. Right. You know, it's you know, so take some time and don't make it about you. Take, you know, take this day, which on my calendar actually, it's labeled Patriot Day actually. Right. Um, and you know, take this day to just hug your family tighter and just be thankful that you, you know, and, and and just remember those we lost on this day back in 2001. Because you know, quite frankly, I don't even know. I even said it was nobody cares where I was on that day. It's 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 not about me. It's about the people that we lost and and you know and just. 
thanks to all the first responders and the paramedics and everybody, you know, that, that day. And I was watching, you know, quickly, um, the same, uh, Don Stewart from Data Show back in 2001. It was like the first show back. He was talking about what it means and just, he was talking about Martin Luther King and he was like, you know, for this moment, you know, people saw eye to eye, people let the walls down, we were all together as one, even though it might not last for a long time. He goes, in this moment, he goes, if there was anything that came out of this that we can, you know, reflect on like this you know, in, a, in a positive way is that it made us all as Americans closer and it, it made us get rid of our differences pretty much and just judge people by not the content, not the color of the skin, but the content of the character. Right, exactly. And I mean, I mean, it, you, you can't really blame people for, uh, I mean, if you want to take personal inventory of you know, like where you were and talk about it with your family on a day like today, I don't blame you for doing that because we should never forget what happened and, you know, like how it affected us. So, you know, we're not saying don't do that. We're no, just saying that. We're just don't saying social media, right? We're just saying, you know, we're not going to do it on social media and we're not going to spend, you know, 10, 15 minutes on this show talking about where we were and stuff like that. Cause that's not what we're about. We're about, you know, we're going to, we're going to make this a positive day and you know what, go ahead and, you know, if you want to pull out, if you want to pull out amazing Spider-Man volume two, number 36, the nine 11 issue, I encourage you to do that. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. But you know, let's move on from this, you know, so we need our annual, Baby Jameson with him. Update. How's the baby? He's doing very well. He's uh, growing rapidly. Uh, he's, uh, I'll tell you what, we were talking about this uh, off the air. I, I can't believe that this kid burps like a sailor. I mean, it's yeah. pretty epic. <laughs> and he's got some muscles on him. Your wife posted a, a video of him and like one of those like, neck pillows, and he's like trying to push himself up. He's, he's pushing himself up. And it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's and, pretty awesome to watch him do that, actually. And then, but one thing we talked about off the air a couple of days ago, actually, was you said one night you were, you know, watching him, and he his pacifier fell out of his mouth, and without hesitation, on his own, put it back in his mouth. Yeah. And he's, and not, I, he's not even a month old. No, he's not even a month old, yet he was able to figure out where it was and how to get it back in his mouth. So I'm like... That is friggin' amazing. And I mean, you should, I don't want to be one of their parents that, one of those parents that thinks that their kid is the best at everything, but my, my kid is the best at everything because he's my kid and I should feel that way, you know? <laughs> now, here's a question. Are you going to be one of those parents that, two things, A, the stick figure family, and B, my kid's an honor roll at such and such elementary? I will say that um, the stick figure family thing started before him. Uh, we did it with our dogs because you know how much we love our dogs. Right. So we've already done that with our dogs in the past. So we'll probably we'll probably make additions, obviously, <laughs> to, to uh, yeah to the vehicle to to add him on there. Um, the my kids an honor roll student thing. I don't know if we'll go there. Um, they might not even have those bumper stickers anymore by the time he gets to that point in school. <laughs> I mean, it might be, it might be led signs in the back of your car by then. I don't know, but, um, no, I, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you're going to be proud if your kid makes the honor roll. Obviously I, I would yeah. be, but, um, do I need a bumper sticker to, to throw it in everybody's face? I don't know about that. So, so we'll see. I, I, I try not to, sh I try not to be one of those parents that, uh, 
that's constantly shoving pictures of their kids in people's faces. But I mean, <laughs> well, 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 I mean, because literally they're Facebook, so you're not really shoving it in people's faces. They're just scrolling onto it. So you're, you're scrolling it onto their faces, pretty much, is what you're doing. Yeah, and I mean, if he if he does something cute, and I'm and I want to post it up there, or if he's wearing something you know particularly adorable, like a nice uh, he was. We went to uh, we went to Target the other day, and he was in his Batman onesie, and I had the little Batman socks that finally fit him. And I put those on him as well. And there was a woman that was walking by that there's like, oh, the Batman socks. She's like, oh, he's also got a Batman outfit. And she was going crazy about it. So I'm you know. just I, I'm just waiting for the for the photo, dude. It's like a family portrait of like a like a 1920s look where he's got like a top hat and a monocle and like a little baby cane. We have we've actually got photos that are gonna that are gonna happen soon. I just don't know I uh, don't know when. Because uh, you know it's busy. We, I have busy weekends, and so do you. So yeah, so it's hard. To, it's hard to fit it in uh, now. But we're we're gonna figure it out. We're gonna get those pictures done for sure. Exactly. Like my. So I mean, my. Uh, 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 well, secondly, before I get to what I did, how's the wife actually? Because you know she's the one that birthed the child. So how is the wife doing? She's she's doing well. Uh, we're a lot of doctors' visits still because she's still healing up, and uh, we're trying to get her back to a hundred percent as quickly as possible. But I mean, she's tough. She's very tough, so nothing's going to keep her down. We the, the doctors told her that she couldn't drive uh, until yeah. they gave her their okay, and she basically tries to bust out the door with the car keys today to go drive <laughs> somewhere. And I'm like, no, 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 you cannot drive. I'll go. And she's like, but you're but you're doing all this stuff. I said, you're doing all this stuff too. I will go and do this. Now she can't drive. Is that because of just like the stress that has to do with it? You know, her her stitches, or is it just? The, the pushing of the pedals and the steering and the moving of the, the contortion of the body. I think it's a combination of all those things, actually. They haven't given us a straight-up reason why, right. but I think it's a combination of all those things that you, that you kind of just mentioned. I mean, could she do it? Obviously, she could do it, but we just, you know, you want, in, a, in any instance like this, you want to play it safe and make sure that, uh, make sure that there's no unnecessary uh, exertion, I guess you could say. Yeah. So with me, you know... This is my birthday week. I'm, I'm going to be 26 on Sunday. Um, so after the podcast, I'm actually going to drive out to Portsmouth to, to stay over at the king of Portsmouth's house, our social media manager, Cody Greens, yes. um, because he, I, and a bunch of other our friends are going to be going to Bush Gardens tomorrow for Hollow Scream. Can I just say that I'm so glad that you're going to be able to get some bush on your birthday? Yes. Yes. In one way or another. In one by God, it's finally happened. That's right. <laughs> oh God, um, but no, we're gonna be doing that. I, you know, again, with you mentioned, you know, work's just been freaking busy because you know football season started. So, you know, working at, at a radio station, things going crazy. You know, so it's just, uh, you know, in terms of sports, especially in the fall now. Um, but no, I like spend some time at home. You know, just cleaning the apartment. Uh, started watching Blacklist actually. And I actually started watching it last night, and the pilot episode, the first five minutes, you're drawn in. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, I've seen the pilot, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's simply amazing. Like, James Spader, I said this on Facebook and on Twitter last night, I go, it's literally like 24 meets Silence of the Lambs, because the way Spader plays his character, it reminds you a lot of Hannibal Lecter. The thing I liked about the pilot, and, and I haven't watched anything beyond the pilot because Monday night's always been a really busy night for me, so it's hard. But now that it's on Netflix, my wife and I are actually going to marathon it. But the thing I, that struck me about the pilot when I watched it was that it actually keeps you invested 
throughout the entire pilot, and not a lot of first episodes do that. Oh, no, and it keeps you on your toes, because, you know, a lot of pilots, especially when you're dealing with something like counterterrorism or whatever, they want to spend a lot of time on background story and just, like, yeah. who the people are. Here it's like, like the, the I can't think of, was it Keen? Or, yeah, Agent Keen. It's like, yeah, we don't know much about her backstory other than she's trying to have, you know, a, a adoption. She's just joining the uh, the FBI, you know, and then we find out in the end of the pilot, I'm not going to spoil it, but something's going on with her husband, and it's, mm-hmm. like, it's one of those no-fucking-way moments. And it's just like, but like I said, the way Spader and her re- re- talk to one another, it's like watching Hannibal Lecter and Clarice talk. Because I'm like, just just the way his mo- movements are, his tone, his assertion, you know, the overall sum of a creepiness to it, you know, it, it, it really is awesome. But, hey, coming up next, it's what we're reading. Got two new comics. We're down here. Coming up next. This week, we're actually doing something a little bit different as far as what we're reading is concerned. And that's because our main topic this week, we're going to be talking about digital comics versus print comics. And the whole, you know, debate as to, you know, what's necessary, what's not. So, this week, I decided to grab a digital comic. But first, going the traditional print route is our marvelous one-armed wonder, Nick Pataglia. Thank you, Mr. Witham. Um, no, I so for many weeks on the show, I've been talking, you know, Marvel comic after Marvel comic. Sometimes, you know, I'll do an indie, you know, saga. But I'm like, you know what? I never really have done a DC comic in a long time. Very Actually, rarely, last, yeah. The last time I did a DC, or at least something that was an arm of DC, was when I reviewed Preacher. Like and, that was the, that was weeks ago. And an so arm like, of an arm of DC, really. Really? I, I, it was it was the first thing that came to my mind. So <laughs> go fuck yourself. Um, but no, so I jumped back into the DC. I went to the, the Galactic route. And I went with Sinestro, number five. And now Sinestro, I talked about the first issue. Um, you know, when it first came out, you know, a few months ago. And Sinestro number five was really awesome. Now it's written by Colin Bunn. You know, and the art is done by Dale Egersham. And this is what I've been saying all along as far as comics, even when we talked about it last week, is the continuity. They've had the same artist, the same writer throughout so far. Cullen Bunn is a busy dude. He is, man. There's like nothing. Like I said, he is, he is the Guillermo del Toro of comic book writers, where he's yeah. attached to a million different comics. Isn't he doing Lobo with Riley Brown, too? He is, yes. Well, I'm, he's going to get even more busy, though. <laughs> but anyways um no so you have a nice continuity and i'll say this right now the art is i love detailed art like i love i don't mind the you know the the pastel kind of you know like an old school i just love the new detail the detailed look you know it looks kind of digital in a sense you know but it's really you know nice right and the writing is just fantastic like the writing throughout the entire thing it's been it's it, it, unlike with a lot of comics it doesn't jump from story to story or point a to point b it's fluid so you can you know from from issue one on it's a continuous story and so the subtitle which i thought was actually pretty interesting the cover says under the groove of parallax and on the inside, it says the demon within. And the plot, so here, you know, we're going back to issue number one. Sinestro's daughter, Sorenek, um, you know, unknown to him, is, has been captured by the Yellow Lantern Corps. And she's said to be killed. Um, and this is when he, he comes back from iso- his own self, you know, isolation and stuff like that. And 
pretty much throughout the run, you know, she's a Green Lantern, and she's having this banter with him back and forth, like, you know, you son of a bitch, and I can't believe you did this, and, you know, like a typical kind of like, um, if you're reading Batman Eternal, kind of the thing Alfred has with his daughter, kind of thing, except it's like if Alfred, except Alf, Alfred was a little bit more evil and un- misunderstood, um, which is pretty, which is awesome. And uh, so we fast forward to issue number fi- uh, five, and in issue number four, Hal Jordan's introduced into the run. And he and he sees that Sinestro has found you know the the, the Corugarians. He's right. found this, these the you know he, Sinestro is one of those guys who's like you know I, I'm last in my race you know and, and that's it. But he finds that there's more of them, and so Hal, who's worried of like hey you're gonna rule them like a tyrant and everything else pretty much, and and he confronts Sinestro. Well, Sinestro, we find out why he went to isolation. The reason why he went to isolation was because he killed the Guardians as punishment for causing the death of his planet, Kor- uh, Korugar. Wow. So that's And so he went to isolation after that, and he killed, killed all the Guardians. It's brutal. The panel where he's showing him killing the Guardians is brutal, dude. Um, and he goes, so again, it was a reason for going to isolation, and it was self-inflicted isolation. And so Hal confronts the that you can't control, you don't know how to control things. And all of a sudden, Sinestro goes, you want to see control, Hal? I'll show you control. And what happens? He releases Parallax from his chest. Wow. And he attacks Hal Jordan. Dude. And Sornik's like, you know, stop it. You're going to kill him. And he goes, Parallax, you know, down. And Parallax goes right into his chest. And he goes, I have conquered the Parallax. I am now its master. And so it ends pretty much with him... Saying like I am be powerful, like people are going to fear my name, and this is why. So Sinestro is pretty much—he's back, like, he, and he's—he's he's back, and he's better than ever, Sinestro. Um, so he's, and like I said, it's, so up next, it's like, so okay, so what happens next? October 29th, issue six is going to be coming out, and it's going to be called Godhead. It's Act One, Part Six, and the Green Lantern Corps—it's literally much on its last legs, and because at the end of issue five. Um, Sornik goes to Hal and says, Hal, you know, are you okay? And Hal just says, go, leave. Protect your people, watch over them. So she leaves with Sinestro. And the Premier's Lantern Corps, the Green Lantern Corps are on their last legs. And the Sinestro Corps have a bond. They've created a bond with the Green Lantern Corps. Wow, that's something. Um, so it's kind of like, uh, you know, is this a good move? And, you know, and they're going to bring him into their stronghold. The Yellow Lanterns are. And so it's just going to be kind of like, okay, it's going to be a weird team up maybe, but we're going to see. You know, so, so, so it's kind of alluding to something greater is out there. You know, the, the fact is the Yellow Lanterns and the Green Lanterns are kind of joining forces in a sense through a pact. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm di- I'm really digging this comic, dude. It's literally, I think, the best comic run DC has out right now. It, sim- it seems similar to me, almost like the way they're writing uh, Sinestro in Injustice uh, Year 2, where right. he's playing a big role in kind of trying to antagonize a war between Superman and the Green Lantern Corps, and it's working, and it's it's pretty crazy. So I think that Sinestro is one of those DC villains that, you know, I, I'm going to say mainstream public doesn't know enough about that's really kind of a badass villain, and I'm oh, glad he, that they're oh, giving him that spotlight. 
Especially because when, you know, how Jordan first becomes Green Lantern, Sinestro is literally like the strongest Green Lantern, pretty much, of all the Corp. You know, he, or he's at least one of the strongest. And it's like, the fact that when he turns, you know, it's like, dude, this is just, it's, he, like I said, I, I love, I kind of wish that more comics were like this, we're starting to go into like this, where we're getting the backstory of not just the hero, it's, it's not about the hero, but a whole arc and run based on the villain. Like, I would love, love if they did, you know, um, something with, like, uh, the Joker or just, like, Two-Face, like, a, you know, like, a, like their rise through crime or just life in their shoes, like a day in their shoes kind of thing. Yeah, they definitely, they, when, uh, when they were doing Villains Month uh, before the Forever Evil arc, they actually did one-shots for pretty much every villain uh, in the DC Universe, but it wasn't really so much the origin so much as it was a okay, here's how things are leading up for them to this big arc. But for some of them, they did kind of go back and say, hey, this is how they kind of became the way they were in this series of events that led up to that, albeit quickly because it was a one-shot for each villain. But, I mean, I'm looking at guys like like Ocean Master. They, they did one yeah. for him that was fantastic. <clears throat> uh, they had a Sinestro. They had a Joker. The Joker one was kind of disappointing, I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, but they had like one that was for the Riddler that was fantastic. And I was like, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I could do more. I could do more of this. Oh yeah. So for me, it's a definite pull, you know, pick it up, get issue one, read all the way up to issue five and just continue with it. Cause like I said, you know, honestly, cause I, you know, the more I read comics, you know, I'm this is just like along the board of like Marvel and saga. There's certain comics that I, I, I still have in my poll where I'm getting them and it's kind of like, oh, you know, like, oh, Batman Eternal is one of them, where I'm like, I'm, I'm two issues behind, you know. And it's like, it's not that I don't have the other issues. I do. It's just like, oh, do I really want to read this right now kind of thing, where it's like, you know, if once I think it gets to being a chore to get around to read something, I think you need to drop it or at least consider it. But Sinestro is like, oh, my God, new Sinestro is out. I'm going to read it. And I think a lot of it is because it's a monthly. You know, it's not a weekly like yeah. Batman Eternal is. You know, with weeklies you can get burned out easily. That's why a lot of my poll are monthlies because it's like, it keeps my interest a lot better than just week after week after week after week getting filler after filler after filler. It's like, give me this main portion, giant ass Turkey leg once a month instead of giving me, you know, a salad every yeah. week. I could see getting burned out on, on weeklies pretty quick. That's how I kind of felt about futures end. And then it's like, okay, get to the point, get to the point, get to the point. And then, like, after a, after a third or fourth week, it's like, oh, okay, well, that's something. Just when I'm thinking about dropping it, something interesting happens in, like, the third or fourth issue of that month. I'm like, well, now i got to stick with it. And then there's another three weeks or so of filler. So I'm like, geez, you know, I wish Future's End was a monthly because maybe I'd enjoy it more. Yeah. So, James, now you picked up your staying in the DC realm. However, as you mentioned, this is the week we are discussing for our main topic, print versus digital, and you went the digital route with DC. Yeah, I did, and we talked about this uh, right around Comic-Con, actually, when DC announced that they were going to do uh, companion comics for Arrow and the Flash uh, CW series that were going to be coming out, and of course, Arrow was Arrow Season 2.5, but I decided to go with the Flash, since that was since that's the uh, series that's going to be debuting on October the 7th, so it was Flash Zero Year, and it was, it was of course, Issue 1. Uh, the story is by Andrew Kreisberg, who's also working on the series, but there was a script by Brooke Eichmeier and uh, Catherine Walzak. Pencils were by Phil Hester, inks by Eric 
Gapster, and of course, Colors by Kelsey Shannon. That seems like a, another large crew for a, for a digital comic. I think DC's been doing that lately for some reason. Yeah, I, I don't know why. but So now, question. You mentioned that you know, it's, it's connected to the show. Is it going to follow and suit with the show, do you think? Or is it just like, hey, we're gearing up for the show. Here's the zero issue just to get you prepared for it. I think that I actually was, was uh, reading an interview that MTV did with uh, Kreisberg, and he actually said that they want to try and keep it separate from the show but what they're doing what they're doing with zero season zero is they're going to give you they're going to introduce you to characters that you're going to be seeing on the show so they're going to give you a little more like you just said you wish you had a little bit more information sometimes and that's what this companion is going to do like the character that's going to be played by uh, tom cavanaugh harrison wells Mm -hmm. uh, is introduced in this comic and you get the whole you know what is this guy's real agenda kind of thing and they were saying they were actually going to use this comic to maybe delve more into you know is Harrison Wells going to be a friend is he going to be a foe what's his real stake in this so they're doing that and basically what they did to start it off it basically starts off with a crisis situation where there's a giant concrete pillar that's about to fall fall on the flash and it's like the whole life flashing before your eyes kind of thing so then they quickly recap the origin story if you haven't seen it on arrow i won't spoil it for you you can stream arrow on netflix season two is going to be come out in a couple weeks on netflix if you're going to want to catch up uh before the season starts in october but they quickly go through how barry allen becomes the flash they reintroduce the characters that that we saw on arrow in the uh, tie-in episode cisco ramon and uh, caitlin snow and of course i mentioned harrison wells before but then they start introducing the new characters that you're going to see, like uh, Iris West, who if you read the comics, you know exactly who Iris West is. She's going to be Barry's love interest in the show. And her dad, Joe, who actually works for the same police department that Barry works for. And, you know, he's going to be kind of a mentor to him. And it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they, uh, how they do that relationship. Now, the comic itself, very quick, because it's, it's kind of, it, I think they're going to do this as a weekly as well. So you're talking about 20 pages-ish. So it's a very yeah. quick story. It's not going to dive into something too deep, but they do start a uh, storyline in the comic where uh, the police get a call of a bank robbery. So, of course, Barry heads down there. The Flash heads down there. And before they get there, there's this panel of him saying, apparently, I save a lot of dogs. And he <laughs> scoops up, like, these five dogs that have gotten loose from a dog walker and kind of sets them over by her again before she even realizes what's going on before he heads to the bank robbery. So I thought that was hilarious, uh, especially being that I love dogs and people love dogs. I think that's a smart move for them yes. to do that. Um, so he ends up get, he gets to the bank, and there's this picture of Circus Strongman. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? If you, if yeah, you, yeah. yeah if old school circus strongman, you know, with a singlet kind of thing, like a wrestler and all that. He's robbing the bank. He's got this giant dumbbell with him. And, you know, they, they battle it out a little bit. And uh, the strongman actually kind of incapacitates Barry and, uh, and takes off. And that's how the pillar uh, gets ready to start falling on Barry's head. Okay. So the strong man gets away. Barry says, you know, I've got broken ribs and a broken ankle. Thank God my powers came with a healing factor because I have to get out of here before the cops see me kind of thing. So the interesting part in the comic, because it was all kind of just, it was, it was all kind of a lead up until this point. But the interesting part was when the strong man actually goes to uh, this circus outside of the city. And apparently what he was there to steal was not money, but it was a key. 
And then you see the main villain, and he tells the main villain that, you know, hey, I had this guy that tried to stop me. This could be a problem. And he says, I don't think it's a problem. I think it's an opportunity. So it's basically a circus, a team circus uh, is going to be the main antagonist, at least for the comic. Now, it's still too early to say if this is going to tie into the show. I know some people have seen the leaked pilot, so I have avoided it on purpose, so I cannot say for sure. Uh, what I can tell you is that I was doing a little digging because I didn't recognize this villain from the Flash universe, and it's not. It's actually, the villain is going to be a character called Bliss, who is a incubus that actually feeds off of the emotions of other people. And he's actually from the Starman universe, who's a character that was not quite widely known in the DC universe. I admit, I didn't really know uh, that much about the Starman character the, either. Yeah, so the only Starman I can think of was back in the 70s or the 80s called Starman. I think it started Patrick Swayze, dealt with like an alien coming to Earth kind of a thing. There was also a TV show after it. It was actually pretty good. My grandmother got me hooked on it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know much about Starman. It's like literally whenever somebody says Starman, it's the first thing that pops in my head. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure. And they actually asked him, does this mean that Starman's going to be part of The Flash in the same interview from MTV? And he said, well, you know, we're not going to rule it out. He said, if you'd have told me when we first started with Arrow that we were going to be introducing, you know, Ronnie Raymond and the Atom and all that stuff, I'd have laughed in your face. So you never know uh, kind of where this thing's going to go. But um, it was an interesting way to start off uh, or at least get you ready for The Flash TV series. I will say that the art... Definitely wasn't great. I mean, it was not Daredevil bad, but it was borderline as far as the the, the the inks and the pencils. I didn't think were that impressive. It looked a little rushed to me, honestly. If I'm being totally, totally honest, it looked a little rushed. Now, uh, the colors by, by Kelsey Shannon were, were very good. I mean, they popped. You definitely got that sense uh, that the colors were the main importance of this issue. So if I'm giving an overall rating... If you're really excited about the Flash TV series and you just want like a companion piece to help you along, it's a 99 cent comic. Right. If you want just a companion piece to to help follow along with the show, I'd say, yeah, definitely grab this first issue digitally. There's plenty of places you can get it digitally. If you're not super into the Flash and it's not something that you feel like you need, you probably don't need to read it. It's not the the art's not worth it. The story, the the writing is okay. But, I mean, you kind of want the focus to be on this TV series, not necessarily this digital companion comic. So you could understand why the writing would kind of suffer a little bit. Right. Like I said, anytime you rush something like this, where it's like, hey, we have this thing coming out in a few weeks or a month or so. We got to get this out. Yeah, you're going to have you know your production time cut in half, you know, um, or maybe even more. So, I mean, you can't fault them for that, but, I mean, overall, if it's if it's worth buying, then, yeah, go out. And it's only 99 cents. There's, there's no reason not to, right. you know, there's no reason to pass it up. I mean, you know, it, it's not like you're spending three to four bucks on it. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a dollar comic. You can't go wrong with it. You know, why not? There's, there's no reason why I think you should pass it up. Exactly. And now I will, without reviewing a second comic, I will say I also picked up the Arrow Season 2.5 a digital comic, the first one of those. The art is way better. The story fits a little... The, the, the writing is a little bit better because it fits a little bit better with what they do in the show. So, I mean, if you were wondering about Arrow, it, it was definitely... Uh, there was a huge difference between the Arrow comic and the Flash comic, for sure. Question. This is a random question. Parenting question. Your son, when he gets to the point where he can read, you know, he's getting to that age, 
What's going to be the first comic slash first hero you get him involved with? It's definitely going to be Batman, and I'll tell you why. Uh, we actually found a book. It's uh, called My First Batman Book that you can get for kids once they first start reading. And I said, you know, how, how is this going to be? And, I, and I'm looking at it. and, it's, and Thomas, You look at it like Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne are shot in the middle of, of, the, of the, the theater and stuff like that. It's like, oh, okay, it's going to be open well, up start. Basically what they do is they, they start off where he's already Batman kind of thing. And they just explain what Batman does. And then they, they have pages like the Batmobile is there. And it's like, make the Batmobile move. And you can actually move it up and down kind of thing. And, I mean, there's a lot of that stuff in there. And I thought that was very cool. I'm like, yeah, that's how we're going to do it. Fantastic. Well, that's going to do it for what we're reading next. It's not really trailer talk. It's more movie talk. We're discussing Assault on Arkham. That's coming up next. Okay, so pretty much almost every week on Down Nerdy, we have a segment called Trailer Talk. Well, because the summer movie season is over, not a lot of big movies are coming out, there's not a lot of trailers to discuss, so what do we do? We discuss Blu-rays and we discuss other movies. So this week, we discussed the Blu- we're going to be discussing a Blu-ray movie that came out a few weeks ago, in, following with the Batman line, called Salt on Arkham. And James, when I first saw this, when you lent it to me, I went home that night, I popped it in my, my, my PlayStation, and holy shit, is it not meant for kids. It really is not meant for kids, which is true of a lot of the DC Animated Universe movies that have come out lately. Uh, stories like uh, Superman Unbound and uh, The Dark Knight Returns, which actually, I mean, it's, it's very dark, and it's an adaptation of the, uh, of, the, of, the, of the Miller graphic novel, which I think everybody should read and everybody should watch. Uh, but a lot of these... Definitely meant for adults. So just well, keep that in mind if you're getting ready to get the kids to sit down and watch it. But there's a lot of reasons why this one in particular is not meant for adults. Yeah. And I mean, for, for kids, I'm sorry. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, well, I mean, like I said, the last DC movie I watched was, you know, Son of Batman. You know, that's a lot more tame compared to, you know, well, actually, the opening scene isn't really all that tame because you see guys getting stabbed. But overall, you're right. But overall, it's not like, you know, as far as, as wording and then language goes. This one, yeah, this is, I mean, it's based around the Suicide Squad. So, you know, and it follows, pretty much, if you're wondering, like, okay, well, where does this take place? Well, it follows the Arkham game storyline. This takes place pretty much after Arkham Origins, but before Arkham Asylum. Right. And you wonder why is because, well, Joker's already in the asylum, and, well, sooner or later, he gets out. Right. Now, you, you, I think one of the cool things that, before we start diving into the storyline, about this movie that they did really well was there were points in the, in the actual filming where it actually turned first-person shooter for, like, 30 seconds, and I thought... How cool of a wink and a nod to the video game world is that? That you go first person shooter when you're when you're doing these scenes. I thought that was fantastic on their part. Well, what's great is that you know, well, that's what happens when you have a guy like Deadshot in it. You know, you're gonna have those great cinematic scenes, you know, and you know, a first person and just going back to the video games and just you know, video game in general, you know, an FPS. So I mean, I think that when you look at it. And, and the writing, oh my god, it's fantastic. The story, just the way it was constructed from start to finish was really great. When you can make me care about Captain Boomerang. And like, Black Spider. And, yeah. yeah. 
Like, I mean, we'll get to it, you know, but I mean, that, like, that scene where, where, where Batman and Black Spider are fighting and the person who comes out, and you're like, oh, my God, this just happened. And he's got the utility belt in his hand. It's like, oh, my God, no way. And then we find out, well, Batman actually kicked Black Spider's ass. <laughs> and then stole his costume. So that was, it's... yeah, that's pretty clever. But, I mean, just the cavalcade of characters that they brought into this movie without making it seem like there was a ton of characters in it was unbelievable. I mean, what is that with the cavalcade of voice actors you bring into this? Kevin Conroy's Batman, Neil McDonough's Deadshot, Hayden Walsh is Harley Quinn, you know, Edward Nygma and the Riddler, Matthew Gray Gubbler, and, you know, just list was on and on and on. And one of the people I want to point out, and this is something from Breaking, I love Breaking Bad, Giancarlo Esposito was Black Spider. Yes, yes. And, and, you know, you bring in this all-star cast of voice actors, and you bring in, like, the whole thing, like, with Amanda Waller, and it's just like, oh, my God, like, this is great. Like, you actually, like, for example, like, they're, they're sent to infiltrate Arkham, you know, and steal something, and pretty much it's like you find yourself rooting for the bad guy. Yeah, it's funny because what they're trying to get is the... Uh, supposedly the Riddler has stolen the data of uh, who's been in the Suicide Squad past and present, and he's threatening to post it on the internet. Well, Batman captures the Joker when they initially try to, I mean, excuse me, the Riddler when they initially try to get it, uh, Amanda Waller's crew, and he gets sent to Arkham, so they have to now send the Suicide Squad into Arkham to retrieve Riddler's staff, which apparently has all this information on it. But then we have a whole other storyline that gets created, Nick. Yeah, I mean, the, the storyline with, like, uh, uh, Killer Frost, you know, was, was pretty much astounding, too. And, you know, you get the storyline of, of uh, with, with Deadshot. And just, like, you know, he's like, oh, God, going in for this again. And it's just like, he, he have his, this moral, moral comments. That's pretty much who, what the story is pretty much based on. Yeah, it's based on the Suicide Squad. But it's more about Deadshot than anything. I thought they did a really great job of, exp- of expanding on his character. They really did, and and people don't realize that Deadshot's not just this assassin for hire. He's also he has a daughter that he's trying to get back to, and it's almost like that regretting the past life kind of storyline. And he wants just what he wants more than anything is to get back to his daughter. Well, it's also like that. It's that one movie trope where it's, it's like it's that one last job. After this last job, I'm good. Just this one last job, and then I'm good to go. Right, exactly. And then if that wasn't enough. Here comes the Joker getting involved once again, where a Joker's got a dirty bomb somewhere in Gotham, and that's supposed to be keeping Batman busy. Yeah, and and uh, amazing because you know Harley at this, this point Harley Quinn and Joker broken up. Harley Quinn screws Deadshot. <laughs> literally, no, we're not literally. saying figuratively. Literally. literally. Um, and I thought that scene right. I thought that scene leading up to that was was hilarious. Oh, it really was. Yeah, because she's trying to screw him, and he goes. No, you know, come on, he's like, oh, what the hell? And then it's like, you know, vases are broken. It's like, she's a kinky, you know, woman, dude. Pretty like, much, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, it's like, you know, the thing with the Joker, it's like I said, you know, it follows that whole up leading up to Arkham Asylum because he gets out, he gets freed. And so a lot of other people from Arkham, you know, Bane. And like I said, and it was great, as like I said, it follows the Arkham run. However, 
all the character models are based off of what they look like in the game itself, too. And I think that, that the, the first-person shooter thing that I was mentioning wasn't the only homage to video games. If you looked at that, especially that scene where they were breaking them out, uh, when Bane gets out, and Bane's rushing Commissioner Gordon, and how do you, how does Batman incapacitate Bane? He jumps on his back, and he pulls the Venom, the Venom uh, out of the back of Bane's head. How do you incapacitate Bane in Arkham Asylum video game? You jump on his back, and you rip the cords out. So, I mean... And you also program the Batmobile to come out of nowhere and hit him. And then there's that. Uh, <laughs> but I also think that they did a good job, again, staying towards the video games where I thought, other than Harley, because... Uh, they made her in her Suicide Squad garb. I thought, as far as like Poison Ivy and Bane and the other characters in the in the movie, I thought they they uh, artistically presented them exactly the way you saw them in the game. Speaking of that, Poison Ivy, when you see her start to say what happens when you had that boss battle, you know, in Arkham Asylum with Poison Ivy, she goes in a giant plant and it has that orb around her. They did that with her in the game as in the movie as well. So it's again, it's like it's paying very close attention to the Arkham series, which I think is fantastic. And overall, I, overall, I give it. I, I want to go out and buy, even though I don't have the movie, I want to go out and buy it. You know, and, and the great thing is that you know the Blu-ray you buy it on Blu-ray it also comes with the standard def um, standard oh yeah, DVD yeah. as well. So if somebody like I say you you have a laptop, you know you want to watch it, but you can't because you don't even have a Blu-ray player on it or attached to it or whatever. You can get this dual disc set, and you can, you know, play it and watch it. And even special features are pretty fantastic as well, James. Yeah, and it of course comes with the digital copy too, so you can go that route. They've got the, uh, they've actually got the trailer for the next uh, DC animated feature for Aquaman. It's gonna be Throne of Atlantis. Uh, yep. they, they actually, in all these DC releases, they also give you uh, some cartoon episodes as well. Of maybe it's uh, the Justice League cartoon that they had, or or Batman Brave and the Bold, something like that. They give you a few episodes that might be relatable to that movie on there as well, and I think that's really cool. That Aquaman movie, I'm so pumped for that because oh, it's gonna it's be like, awesome. Because it was like when is folks? It's like a 15, like 10, 15 minute behind the scenes featurette mm -hmm. of the making of it, and just with the whole cast and everybody, and it's just like it, it's it's phenomenal. And and honestly, when you see these people, these voice actors in the booth, you're like, you know, oh, I can do that. It's like, but then you see the range, and it's like, I, I can't do that. Like, voice acting is hard, man. It's, it's there's really a reason. Hard. Yeah, there's a reason that Kevin Conroy has been picked to be Batman so many times. Once you find something that perfect, you don't want to let it go. So, I mean, bringing him in on this project, even though really he didn't have to do much. I mean, Batman was was an important part of this movie, but he wasn't the main focus. The main focus was on the Suicide Squad and Deadshot and, in particular. And to go on a little bit of a tangent, you know, a lot of people, you know, you just said this movie's not based solely around Batman. He's more of a secondary, even a third you know, round character. I would say he becomes a secondary character towards the end. He yeah. started out as a tertiary character, but then definitely became a secondary or even a little bit more of that towards the but, end. But, there, but you know, we have the show Gotham coming out later this month. And a lot of people are saying, well, how can you have a Batman show? It's not about Batman. Watch this movie and you can understand. When you have the other characters, you make them as strong as they did in this one, you don't have to have a bat Batman in there. You know, I actually thought the best times were when he wasn't you know, confronting the Suicide Squad, he wasn't in there because it's like I'm so into the Suicide Squad right now. You know, I, you know, I don't think when they showed it, it slowed it down. I mean, it, it picked it up as well. You know, but 
overall, you know, they, they put the right amount of Batman in there to where it's like, okay, I'm watching a Batman movie. I'm not watching, you know, a Suicide Squad movie. And what was funny is, is that they picked different members than would typically be in the Suicide Squad. I mean, there were a few regulars like Deadshot, Harley Quinn, uh, Captain Boomerang have been typical. But, I mean, like Killer Frost isn't always part of the Suicide Squad. They threw Black, her in there. Black Spider, King Shark. Exactly. And that <laughs> was, a, and that was way, actually a different portrayal of King Shark, too. And by the way, that scene with King Shark when 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 because uh, we don't know the Suicide Squad they have the the the, the bombs and the trackers in their neck, so if they oh, go yeah. off the thing, they'll blow up. Well, Riddler's like, I know how to fix that and get rid of your trackers, but the thing is, I have to electric put you in an electric chair and electrocute you, like you know, like shot like shock therapy. Works on everybody else, but not on King Shark. Why? Because he has a tougher hide and he can't. You know, his it can't electricity can't break through his skin, exactly. so his head goes boom. Also, they had the what's his name uh, KGB in there too, and then be shortly in the beginning of it as well. Yeah, the the Russian strongman guy, and he tries to test Amanda Waller, and that doesn't work out too well for him. The other thing, <laughs> I mean, the the Amanda Waller thing was a little weird for me because if you read DC Comics and you've seen Amanda Waller, and even in Arrow when you see Amanda Waller, she's a petite. African-American woman, and in this one, she's a sea cow, and I don't know where they... She is Black Ursula. I mean, she. I mean, I don't know where they decided to say, you know what, let's make Amanda Waller fat and angry. I don't know hey, where that know, happened. Hey, she's a strong, independent black woman who don't need no man. Uh, apparently not. I mean, it's Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hercules, Hercules! Oh, my little baby Hercules! So oh, I don't... Shot, dead shot! My little dead shot! So I don't know why they decided to go that route, but it didn't bother me. It was just kind of oh, surprising when they showed her. I'm like, whoa! It was a total change of a character, but I mean, it was you know physically. But it, hey, I actually honestly I thought that made her more um, threatening. I think a- attitude wise, they they still nailed it. I mean, they still nailed it attitude wise. It was just oh, it was it was weird to see see her. That was she surprising reminded, for me. She reminded me. And I'm not saying it's because of her her size in the movie, but. But she reminded me a lot of Kingpin from the Spider-Man animated movies or I animated series. That. Yeah, I could see that. Because it was like, you know, way to the side, you know, looks aside. It was a, it was a whole when they walk into a room, do they have command of that room? And yes, they goddamn do. You know, it's like it's like when they walk in a room, it's like you don't double cross them because they will fuck you up. And she fucked up some people. And how about that ending where she's sitting there, she's sipping, oh. a, she's sipping an adult beverage, she spins around in the chair, and you see the, the, the sight point go all the way up and right towards her head, and she's like, son of a bitch, and there's Deadshot sitting down with his daughter and a sniper rifle. Yeah, dude. That, that, but not just that, but just the whole her being interrogated by Batman before that happened, you know, and, and he's like, you know, don't let this happen again. You know, they're not toys. You know, you do this again, I'm gonna leak leak this. And she's like, "Well, who will believe you? You know, I am this. You know, she's supposed pulling rank. Like, I am this ranked official in the government. Who are you? You know, it's crazy because not only that, but there. Think about the amount of deaths of characters there were in this movie. A lot. I mean, and you did not expect. At least I didn't expect that going in. I mean. We didn't. We don't see Killer Frost die, but there's that implication that she might die. But you see other people that do die, like King Shark, for example. You mentioned uh, Black Spider also dies in this in this movie. You think the Joker dies, but of course you know the Joker doesn't die. Right. Um, but there was just a lot going on that I didn't expect. That even I went, "Whoa! Did they really just do that?" 
Yeah, so I mean, okay, rating time. Four stars, what would you give it and why? Uh, I've got to give it a four. I really do. It just kept me interested the entire time. And there was so much action. And it wasn't just action for the sake of action. It was action that was absolutely necessary. And I mean, the scenes between Deadshot and the Joker alone were just fantastic. The action and the interaction between those two were really great, I thought. See, okay, here's here's how I'm going to do my rating. You ever seen the movie Dunstan Checks In? Yes. You know how in the movie they're going for that fifth star, which has never been done by a hotel before? Yes. Five stars for Assault on Arkham. Here's why. Animation was fantastic. Story was fantastic. The editing in animation was fantastic. Voice acting was great. Oh, excellent, uh, yeah. You mentioned the thing with the Joker and, and Deadshot. You know, their their whole fight scene in the building there was fantastic because we, you know, Joker, he's a lanky guy. You know, the same as when he fights somebody, he's more of dirty tactics, not much of a fighter. This one's like, wow, he's actually can, can, can do some damage. Yep. You know, um, and it's just, it's again, all around, it was fantastic. So again, five stars. And I think bravo for capturing the essence of each individual character in the Suicide Squad and making them matter individually for characters that not a lot of people know unless you're really into the DC Universe. Exactly. But that's going to do it for our movie talk segment. Coming up next, it's everybody's favorite internet topic, nerd news. That's coming up next. More Down Nerdy coming up. Come on, come on, nerds and nerdettes, because it's time to go around the interwebs, because it's time for what, James? Nerd News! And our first story deals with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, James. And we talked a lot about, you know, when Bucky signed his deal there for nine pictures in the Winter Soldier, and that Chris Evans' days might be numbered as Captain America, and it looks like that might not be the case after all because now MTV is actually did an interview with Chris Evans and he's kind of downplaying the rumors now that he's going to be passing it up after Cap 3. Yep, um, so Chris Evans, he spoke with MTV as you said and they asked him, you know, he was asked if Steve Rogers going to be killed off and he said, quote, No, not yet. I have a few more Marvel movies I have to finish first, which I'm happy to do. I'm sure it'll happen at some point. All good things have to come to an end, but I'm really happy playing the character. I'm honored to be part of the Marvel Universe for now, close quote. So the thing is, you know, a lot of people are saying, like, okay, they're going to kill him off in, you know, his Cap 3. And, you know, we've been saying this for weeks, um, you, Cody and I, that, you know, they're going to go towards, they're going, they're they're probably going to go towards the Civil War route because... Sebastian Stan signed his nine-picture deal. He's going to be Cap. I mean, it's going to you know, happen. We we don't if deny you look, that. Well, plus, if you, there's a little bit of of um, symbolism. If you go to the first Captain America movie, okay, when he's in before Bucky dies, when he's pretty much in the train, he has the shield. That pose he strikes is the pose in the first Captain America comic where Bucky is Cap. Right. So it's kind of I think a symbolism for that. Um, now, here's the thing. You have Avengers 2 coming out next summer. Um, so here's the, you know, so here's the thing. We know that Captain America's shield gets destroyed in it. So, you know, I don't know if he'll die then. I think what they're going to do is this. Chris Evans, I think, is going to finish off. He's got, like, what, two more pictures left on his contract? I think they said three. Okay, uh, so... Unless, unless okay. they're not counting Avengers 2. Okay, okay so it's going to be... So, so, 
let's go with three. So he's got Cab three, Avengers two, and then Avengers three. Right. Okay. So I think he's going to die in Avengers three. I would agree with that. And I think what they're going to do is they're going to because Avengers three is Thanos. So what is going to happen is they're going to do where with Thanos. Um, I can honestly, dude, I can honestly see the Guardians of the Galaxy get killed as well in Avengers 3. Well, the rumor now is that uh, Drax is going to play a big role in Avengers 3. Yes. Um, And I can see after this whole Phase 3 is done, Civil War. I can see him start the Civil War run. Well, there's another rumor going on right now because they're getting ready to announce the subtitle for Captain America 3. And the rumor is is that the subtitle for Cap 3 is going to be Captain America 3 Civil War. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see if that's how it kind of all starts. Now, you do see how they get to that point. And I do think that that seems like the most logical direction because they're already saying Captain America is going to Captain America three is going to change the Marvel Cinematic Universe forever. What better way to do that than to go with Civil War? Because what else would change the Marvel Universe forever in the cinematic world? Right, and and the way that you know Cody said originally was here's what's going to happen: they're going to kill off Steve Rogers, and they need a Captain America. So what do they do? They go with Bucky. However, Bucky has, is known to be a Winter Soldier, and it doesn't sit well with Tony Stark. So that's probably what's going to, you know, be the main cause of it. I mean, so it's also going to be the whole "this is freedom," you know, don't register versus register versus registering. But when you want to change it, I think if you want to change it up to that, it'd be totally fine. You can have the registering thing as a secondary element, but if you're looking for the main element as to why Iron Man doesn't like Captain America, it could be because. Bucky is Captain America, not Steve. Right, exactly. And I think that this is something that they... I don't think it's going to happen overnight. I actually think that they'll drag this out for a couple of different movies. Now, keep in mind, Marvel has not announced their full slate of titles that are going to be upcoming, and they've got quite a few. I wouldn't be surprised if we see an Avengers Assemble movie with a second team of Avengers led by whoever's on the other side of a Civil War. Probably, I or I could see something like that with like Black Panther, Doctor Strange, you know, something like that, you know, because uh, I'm sorry, right. but Black Panther is happening because when you see Captain America's shield break, it's made of vibranium. Right. Where do they get vibranium? Wakanda. That's going to happen. You know, so everybody's saying, oh, Stan Lee is off his rocker. No, Stan Lee knows his shit. Stan Lee knows what's going on. Stan Lee might not have release dates and all the intricate details that Kevin Feige might have, but he knows what's going on. You can't tell me that Stan's not in the loop. Give me a break. I don't care how old he is. Here's a question. For one day, what would it cost for you to be Kevin Feige for one day, just so you know exactly what's going on in the Marvel Universe, like what movies are going to be planned and release dates? What would you do to to have that one day in the life of Kevin Feige? Oh God! I think that that's one of those. If you were if you were trying to raise money for charity, you could get a mint for that. If you could actually get that information, you know, I'll sign whatever I need to sign. Yeah, to I find out sign. where they're going. Oh yeah, I will sign non disclosures and, and 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 everything else. I will keep my mouth shut. It would be it would suck because you you know you're sitting on a gold mine pretty much. But you you know it's it's for the better of you know you not having to. Think about some. Plus, when you talk about something like that, and people are like, "Oh, you're so wrong," and when it does happen, you can be like, "Uh, right, I was totally right about that." 
Well, and but but here's the thing: you might know what what direction they're going to go, but you're not going to know exactly how they're going to execute it. Right. That's the they, and therein lies the fun. I mean, we're sitting here talking about oh, it's going to be civil war. It's going to be civil war. Yeah, I think everybody's kind of come to terms with that, but we don't know how they're going to do it. No. And therein and, lies the fun. And therein lies the fun. Now, speaking of fun, are you know, there's a lot of fun going on television lately and going the DC route. So. You know, there hasn't really been a strong female protagonist on a superhero show or like a comic-based show, I would say since Alias. Am I, would I be correct on that? I think that I would go there, yeah. Um, so E! Online is reporting that Supergirl is going to be getting her own TV show. Now, Warner Brothers Television is shopping around the idea in the series. The report says that the former Supergirl, Supergirl writer, Michael Green, who... You know, sadly, you know, he did Heroes, he did Smallville, and he's also got a little piece on Gotham. He's going to be producing the series. Right. However, it will not air on the CW. No, I'm, I've heard Fox, which I kind of hope that that doesn't happen. Although, the fact that Gotham's on Fox, if Gotham is successful, uh, you know how Fox likes to ride out successful uh, enterprises, and they will spin it off six ways to Sunday if they find something that works. So I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up on Fox. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up on NBC. But um, I think that the network almost doesn't matter. I think that this is a good opportunity to introduce a character that, let's face it, could be wildly popular if done correctly, given her age and her storyline. Oh, yeah, because she has that good age where she you can get that 18 to 35 demographic. Um, and she's you, misunderstood, too, because she's trying to live in a world that she doesn't understand, and that's a storyline that you could carry out for a while. Coming from where she came from, Kandor, and, you know, Earth is very different, and she's trying to adapt, and she wants to be, you know, human. She wants to understand our world, but there's certain things that she just doesn't get. Right, and, you know, we were talking about this the other night. Um, we were putting the rundown together of, like, you know, what villains could we put in there? What, who could we see? You know, the idea of, like, you know, you have Lobo in there. You could put it in there if you want. Bizarro Girl, Insect Queen, if you wanted to do that. You know, she, you think of, when you think of Supergirl, you don't think of somebody that has a lot of villains, but she has a pretty big canon full of villains, actually. I mean, if you Google it, there is a laundry list of villains that you might not even know about from the Supergirl universe. So they definitely have enough. I mean, think about the villains that they've introduced to Arrow. That people are like, I don't remember that villain at all. But once you go to DC Wiki, you're like, so they turned this low-level villain into this. And that's fantastic. Why can't you do that for Supergirl? Exactly. And I, again, you know, you want to build that, that female audience. And, you know, you want to do something like this. And like I said, Alias was approached the last show where we had a strong female protagonist from like a comic book or graphic novel right. kind of show um you know i mean and i mean we know we're going to be getting agent carter this year so i mean right. that that'll come out first we know we're going to get jessica jones on netflix and but that may or may not come out before but i get your point but yeah. i'm talking about superhero i'm talking about like a girl who has powers and really yeah. awesome powers you know i mean michael green he only worries because i didn't i didn't like smallville i was not a fan of heroes see i did like heroes and i think that that um I think that they I think that will actually help him with Supergirl because I see a lot of I see a lot of uh, Hayden Panettiere's character in 
in Supergirl as far as the misunderstood, I don't know what to do in this world kind of aspect. Now, I'm not saying that Hayden Panettiere should play Supergirl. I'm not saying that. Not saying that. I'm just saying that character-wise, there are similarities there in in the misunderstood kind of what do I do with myself kind of realm, you know, in realizing that she had powers. Now let's let's do it because you know we cannot not talk about we can't talk about this and not talk about who do you cast as Kara who gets cast as Supergirl? Um, I would go because uh, I have I have two names written down. Okay, I, I don't know who you'd go because I, I think if it was something like this, just with the TV round, we're seeing what they're doing with TV. They're going with a bunch of young no names kind of thing. Um, but I would go, if I had to go with actually like a, like a name, one that would kind of pique my interest, I would go with Chloe Grace Moretz. I, okay, okay. Yes. I could see, I could see where she could, she could make it work. I don't know if she has, I don't know if she has the height. Not that that really matters anymore. Dude, because they, fuck you Jackman's Wolverine. He's like six foot Wolverine's five three. Yeah, well, that's why I'm saying not that that really matters anymore. But I, yeah, I could see that. I don't know if she'd want to do it, but I could see uh, how she could pull it off. Um, I've got two names. One kind of makes more... First of all, can we put the Kaylee Cuoco thing to bed? Yes. It's not happening. I she know just that, got a new contract. She's getting paid $1 million an episode. Yeah, it's not happening, people. It's not happening, people. So just let it go. We understand that she'd play the role well. Not going to happen. Let's let that go. The first name that popped into my head was Yvonne Stravowski, who was on Chuck. She played Sarah on Chuck. She just finished up a run on 24. She was on Dexter. She's got the fight skills. She's got that innocence about her. She's got the look. I mean, she's got the build, perfect casting. She's not really doing anything right now. I think that she's the perfect choice to do this. The other name is a name that's familiar to the DC Universe because she was supposed to be Wonder Woman. What about uh, Adrian Palicki from yeah. Friday Night Lights? Yeah. Um, <sighs> I mean, I can see her as doing that. I- I just think that because of Wonder Woman didn't take off, I don't see her being attached to this. However, I can see this as more of like the TV version of Chris Evans, where it's like, okay, you were this one character, but never really took off. Now let's re re you know recreate you as this other character. So I can see her do that. The good thing, that, well, the good news for her is that Wonder Woman never actually aired. Right. The, there have been copies of pilots that have been available at cons, so people have seen it, you know, and, and, and there has been. It was well-received, by the way, from people that had seen it, uh, but it never actually aired. It didn't work out, so maybe, you know, they go. Uh, Warner Brothers goes back and says, you know what, hey, this didn't work out, but now we've got this. We didn't expect to have this on the table. Would you be interested in going back and doing this? Because let's face it, she was going to be more, she's more suited for this than she ever really was for Wonder Woman in the first place. But here's the thing, though. Um, Supergirl's young, so, but Palicki is, she's 31. Yeah, but, I mean, look at, I mean, I hate to use this as an example, but, I mean, how many times has that happened? Like, Beverly Hills 90210, those kids were, like, 30 years old playing 16-year-olds, so this is, this is not without precedent. I mean, you could pull it off, um, but, again, you have to allow yourself to, you know, pluck yourself out of knowing that she's 30 quote unquote in real life 
and let her try and be the character kind of thing. Right. So I understand what you're saying. Maybe she's a little too old, but, and, and maybe there's somebody that, you know, we're not thinking of. That's again, like, a no, I mean, how many people know about Stephen Amell when he got cast as Oliver Queen uh, and Green Arrow? Not many people. So, and that really worked out. Well, that's what I'm saying is that I think if they're going to, whoever they're going to cast, I think it's going to be somebody new, somebody fresh, you know, somebody that nobody really knows. So if God forbid the show doesn't do well, you know, it's not like they got a big actor and it failed or actress and it failed. I just um, think this is another case of DC being very smart, knowing that, hey, we'd really love to introduce this character on screen, but we don't think it's a strong enough character to present in a feature film yet. Let's lay the groundwork with a television series and see where it goes. Yeah, plus you can also introduce Power Girl as well. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could introduce this. I mean, of course, Brainiac's always a possibility. Brainiac bottled the city of Kandor. Don't rule out at some point them bringing in a Brainiac into the storyline if the show is successful. It's not going to happen early, but eventually you could see them going that route, and I think that would be very cool to get Brainiac involved. It will, and then one last thing I want to talk about this is, I know how cool it would be. I just had a flashback kind of thing. You know how cool it would be if they had... Power Girl and Supergirl and like another female DC character and it was like this generation's Charlie's Angels. Well, th- that would be very cool. And they kind of did that a little bit in a World's Finest uh, annual that they had where they actually had, I think it was Supergirl, uh, a female version of Robin that was uh, Helena Bertinelli as Robin in, uh, in a different DC. Uh, this was in, I think, Earth 2 uh, that they did this where they had Supergirl and they had Power Girl and they had... Robin and another character and the name escapes me uh, right now, but they kind of did that and it was very cool. It was uh, actually Mark Deering, uh, our buddy inking is sexy did the inks for that issue as a matter of fact. So I would love to see that to, for them to eventually go that route. And I can't rule that out either. No. And, and one, and to our next story, one you can't rule out, or one thing that Carl Urban doesn't want to rule out is a judge, judge dread sequel. Now, 2012 Dread came out, and it was one of those things where it didn't do well in theaters. Its budget was $50 million. That's an estimated budget. It only made $13.4 million, and that was um, a month. That was, it was released in September on September 21st, and it was pretty much taken out on the 26th of October. Mm-hmm. So he's pretty much – he was he was uh, made an appearance at Chicago Comic-Con, and he just revealed how there's a possibility that there's another Dread film in the universe – in the, in a movie in the works, it's just that there's no script. His right. parents just like, you know, there's a definite possibility, but however, there's no script for a sequel. Now, a prequel, he says, there is a definite possibility, but it's more likely that we will do the origin story with Dredd trekking through the cursed earth to find the first chief judge, Fargo, who Dredd, you know, as we all know, was cloned after. Right, exactly. Now, I think that that would be very interesting because we don't really know about, I mean, I mean, I know they've gone into this more in, in the comic storylines, but as far as on screen, any screen, we've never had a real good cursed earth portrayal. I mean, you can't really count the, uh, the portion of time that, uh, the, the judge dread spent in the cursed earth in, uh, the Sylvester Stallone film. I don't think that's a realistic portrayal of, of what that was. Now, if they did it now, dread might not have made a lot of money in theaters, but you and I talked about this uh, when we were preparing for the show and that that Blu-ray sold extremely well. As soon as it hit uh, at home media, 
it actually got quite a cult following because the Blu-ray was like nine ninety nine, and everybody was buying it. And yeah. it, it, it spent like, I think a year and a half in the Amazon top 50 in sales. And, and there were times where it was top five. There was times where it was, you know, creeping around the top 10 and maybe it was just, you know, because of monetary reasons alone, but the, the movie ended up making money at the end of the day. So that's why I think it's drumming up interest in doing more. Plus, what they were able to do with the small budget that they had, I thought was fantastic. Right, and like I said, you know, it, yeah, they didn't make back their estimated budget, but it was still a great film. Like, I watch it on Netflix probably once every couple of weeks. I think that, I, I mean, I would, I would love to see uh, another, I'd love to see a Dread Origins movie, and I, I'd also like to see Carl Urban get freed up for other things so we could get him into the DC uh, universe somehow, <laughs> because I'm a, I'm, a bi- I'm a big fan of his. I think he's a great actor. I think he, there's a lot of things that he could do. Well, I think, well, I mean, when you see him in the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek, and he's Bones McCoy, and he, and, and, you know, he's this nervous, kind of a wreck kind of a dude, and then you see him just be judged to a total 180 and be judged dread in this merciless son of a bitch with a helmet, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it was amazing. Like, it really was amazing. I think it was fantastic and almost human as well. Where the hell did that show go? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that he's just, he's extremely talented. I'm not saying he can't do both either. Obviously, he could probably do a Dread movie and a and a DC or even a Marvel movie. He could do that if he wanted to. I'm just saying that, you know, if we're going to do this, let's, let's, let's do it or not do it. Because I think that there's been so, I mean, for what, since a year after Dread came out, there's been nothing but rumors about, is there going to be another one? Right. We want another one. But you, at the same time, can you really blame the studio for being a little hesitant to do a sequel for a movie that didn't make its original small budget in the first place? Yeah, because, I mean, they don't want to take another hit. And I mean, maybe because it is a cult classic, it would help it out a lot. Now, I don't think it would be a direct DVD thing. thing. Oh, no way, no. There's no way. Um, but, you know, I mean, we'll see. I mean, if, if you're a studio... Would you want to take a risk on that and maybe take another hit? You know, again, and I think it, what happens is when you look at something like Dread and how big of a cult thing it is, I put it and I, I bring this up all the time. I bring it up to with, with the Deadpool movie and the fan base for Deadpool. It's a good sized fan base, but it's not a big fan base as they like to think it is. I think that part of the problem was, and I think you're you're exactly right about the fan base, but I think part of the problem was is, is how upset the fan base was about the original judge dread movie so when this one came out they're like okay it looks different but we're not going to go see it because screw that they didn't get it right the first time and even though it was different people making the movie it's like well if they didn't get it right the first time why would i bother going to the theater to see it so then when it came out on blu-ray and dvd and that's when it started making money well here's the thing too is judge dread the the first movie was made in the 90s. A lot of the action movies in the 90s were very, very tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, look at Batman Forever. I mean, I I love Batman Forever, but look at the... You're right. Look at the movies that were made in the 90s. And they were, like you said, they were very tongue-in-cheek, and they were very not necessary... There were no dark films then. Yeah. Other than maybe... I mean, when did Batman Returns come out? Oh, God. 1990, I think. Yeah, so that was like right at the beginning. So that was probably the darkest superhero movie of the 90s. Right. 
but all the rest of them, you're right, were very were very much tongue in cheek, and they were very much the opposite of the darker universe. So, I mean, now you're allowed to do that kind of stuff. Exactly, and, and our final story um, this week is deals with our our, you know, our love for comic books and our love for Batman. Um, and one, Mister Greg Capullo, who we love also. We do love also. He's he's the fucking man. Um, so Capullo was at Baltimore Comic Con last week, and pretty much had the, made the announcement, or there was at least the announcement from Bleeding Cool that he was going to be leaving um, his after the next sixteen issues of Batman finish. So now here's the thing, though. Apparently, he was going to make this announcement at Baltimore Comic Con, but here's the deal. Capullo actually goes on Twitter after finding out that his wife actually showed him that Bleeding Cool had leaked the story on her phone while he was at the con. So he immediately jumps on Twitter and says, I never said I was leaving Batman after 16 issues. What I said was, is that my contract was up for after 16 issues. And then, I mean, you, you were telling me that there was a litany of tweets after yeah, that. I actually have them, actually. Um... He he said you know, the recent tweet was he, like he said never said sixteen issues is the end of my Batman my contract is up in sixteen issues I may do Creech or might be dead or might or might <laughs> or yeah, he I said might I might be, be dead. dead yeah but before that he goes anybody from Bleeding Cool will be blocked the second I discover who you are um, he then goes and before that you know once you get in my wrong side there is rarely ever a chance to make it back might as well keep on walking. And he goes, I nearly sued Bleeding Cool in the past. I want less than nothing to do with them. I will support them in no way ever. Is this the guy you really want to screw with, by the way? No. But the (laughs) thing was, and I told you this, I said, you know, you're wondering, like, well, why is he pissed? And I said, think about it. This was released the week, like, the Friday, I believe, of, you know, before Baltimore Comic Con. It was right before he was supposed to be there, basically. And this, I think, was going to be the main thing like the big surprise or just a, the main topic because he's going back to probably doing the creech um alongside scott snyder right you know and, and doing a new 52 run um and this whole thing with bleeding cool it, it pissed him off because he's like and i can understand it because when somebody says hey he's gonna be leaving after 16 issues you know saying you're gonna be leaving after 16 issues and then saying no my contract's up at 16 issues is totally different. Right. I mean, and, and that's, you know, it's almost like a, hey, that's not what I really said kind of thing. And maybe he is leaving after 16 issues. First of all, 16 issues is a long time. People realize yeah. that Batman is a monthly. 16 issues, that's a over year a year from now. So, I mean, it's not like Capullo is packing up his, uh, his, uh, his inks and walking away. He's... You know, it's going to be a while if this actually happens. And it's not like it wouldn't be the first time an artist did another project while they were doing a major run. I mean, look at uh, look at Ray Fox is going to go do Intersect for Image, but he's also still working on Constantine and Justice League Dark. So don't act like just because Capullo is going to do The Creech with Snyder doesn't mean... I mean, Snyder did The Wake while he was doing Batman and he won an Eisner yeah. Award for it. So don't act like Capullo can't do two things at once. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, he might get taken out of context, but 
overall, I mean, his Batman is just, it, it's fantastic. And whatever he does next, I will solely, totally support him in. Exactly. But, I can't, like, I'm getting ready to start reading uh, The Haunt, which is an old arc that he worked on. Uh, and I can't wait to start reading that because the art in that that he did is fantastic. And I'm just a big fan of his. Now, I don't want people to think that we're killing Bleeding Cool on this. No. Uh, we've sourced them in the past with stories that, that we do on our Facebook page and sometimes here on the show. Um, we get that you want to jump on a story like this because it's a big friggin' story if Capullo's actually leaving Batman. So right. I know you want to jump on this, but but at least for for me personally, and I think that you, I don't want to speak for you, but I think you feel the same way. I like to wait it out. Let's, let's be sure about this. And if I know he's going to make this announcement himself, I am not going to scoop him on this. Well, here's the, that's the thing is, you know, I have a journalism degree and one thing I, I'm, I hate in today's world of quote unquote journalism is the necessity, the necessity of being first over the necessity of being right and accurate. Right. Exactly. I'd rather be the second, third, sixth person reporting this, but rather have all my shit right than somebody says, I got the first scoop on this. And then have Kapula Prince saying, fuck you, I'm not working with you, I'm not doing anything for you, ever, you know, go fuck yourself. It, you know, I'd rather do that. I'd rather be on good terms. And, when, and if you do know that this is going to be his announcement, or if he's going to be close to announce this, or whatever, wait till he does it. Because the man's being, you know, he's paid to show up and probably talk about this. So don't fuck over him. Don't fuck over the con or DC. You know, just because you want to be, you know, king of the ner- king of the news day. I'd rather be runner up than be first and have this totally thing happen where I'm taking him out of context. I mean, that happens a lot. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, we source a lot of a lot of uh, other other nerd news places to to get our information, and I think everybody does that. I mean, think about when something breaks. Let, let me take the Batmobile thing from yesterday, for example. And I say yesterday because we're recording this on a Thursday. Uh, when Scott Snyder uh, put out the high-res uh, picture of the Batmobile. Zack Snyder. Uh, Zack Snyder, I'm sorry. Um, so when he put that out, what happened? IGN dropped it, Comic Book Resources, ComicBook.com, Comic Book Movie, all within 15 minutes of each other, all posted the story. And, we and we were in that list as well, all posted the story. It's okay if you post something five, within five minutes of somebody. Nobody's going to remember who was first unless, you're the, unless it's your scoop and you're, getting, and you're getting sourced on it. And that's the thing is that you know, we posted it. You know, I posted the photo. of I didn't, that's the thing is, I didn't post the story. I posted the photo. Right, exactly. And, and that still got us like lots of clicks and lots of views. So, I mean, you know, that's the thing. It's like people will, will go because even if it's, it's the same story – People want are intrigued by the different takes people will have on it. For example, we love the way it looks. You know, it looks yeah. badass. But then you have, as I mentioned before in the beginning of the show, these fucking nerd purists who are like, why does it have machine guns? It didn't have machine guns before. Fuck you. It did have machine The original Burton had machine guns. All of them did. Right. Fuck yourself. You purist motherfucker, you. Go and, lock yourself in the basement. And these purists maybe should grab a copy of The Dark Knight Returns from uh, Frank Miller and look at the Batmobile from that because it was a friggin' 
tank. Yes! With guns on it as well, by Which the way. Which is where I think they got the Tumblr idea from. Yeah, I actually think that this is kind of a wink and a nod to several different Batmobiles all crammed into one, and one of those being the Miller-designed Batmobile from Dark Knight Returns, because I think they're taking a lot of kind of uh, cues from that. And it's just being a bu- really nitpicky. Like, I'm sorry to be bitching about this, but... It, it, it bothers me because, like you know, we're as as nerds and geeks, we want to be accepted, but we're but but this is what makes us not be accepted by others. This is what makes people badmouth people like us and and, and you know and, and be like that. Like one, the minute there's change, we're like a bat and just attacking them. You know, it's like you know, it's just one of those things. It's like this is like, do you guys understand that this is why people don't. Like nerds and geeks, yes, it's because yes. it's because we overreact to shit like this, minuscule stuff like well, this. Well, you say we, but you know, well, not I'm us. talking about not us, but g- nerds in general. I'm speaking, of, I'm you know, for nerds in general, you know, and, 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 and that's the reason why. It's because like you know, we're the we're the minuscule. You know, James and I are the minuscule percent of people who are like, hey, this is a cool idea. You know, we're open to every any idea. You know, there are times where we do bash it. But there are certain things we bring up. I think people are complaining about just because they want to be able to complain about just because they say, "Well, it's not what I envision of the comics and what I envision of this." It's like, yeah, guess what? They're not making movies for you personally. How yes. about that? <laughs> oh my God! Yes, you know it, it, that's the thing. So I mean, you know, this whole thing with you know the the whole machine guns and, and everything like that I like it. And, and, like I saw a comment um, from somebody who didn't like the Batmobile, a new one. And Bamber Superman, and they're like, "Oh, the whole winged windows concept—it really gets rid of the sleekness." I'm like, "I now you're just nitpicking." Yeah, it's really. I mean, what you really. Tre- what do you say? The trend of tires doesn't say Goodyear on it, so you're gonna bitch about that. They should use Michelin. I mean, just shut your face. Just enjoy something for once in your life that's not made by Marvel and Disney. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying this as a Marvel fan. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, you made up a great point. Marvel's not impenetrable. I'm sorry, but I haven't been overly enthralled and and happy with Phase 2. I'm sorry, that's just me. Yeah, it's a couple good movies, but it's not the greatest phase. And I'm going to say it right now that even though Guardians of the Galaxy was a fantastic movie and I loved it, it wasn't without a couple of little problems. I mean, it, it still had a couple of things wrong with it. I don't want to get into it because we're kind of off in a tangent here, but there's no perfect comic book movie. There just isn't. Oh. I mean, I loved The Winter Soldier, too, but there were a couple of little things there, too. But am I going to nitpick them? No, because the overall body of work was fantastic in both films. Like I said, you know, it, 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 something like this, you know, it, it just goes to show... You know, to, I you know to my fellow nerds and geeks out there, when stuff like this happens, where we're releasing this concept of a car or whatever for a movie, yeah, understand that it might not be what you want, but it's something that the studio and something that the feels that the people other people would want, and they're totally right in that. I think it looks pretty awesome. And you know what? It, Maybe we start waiting until we see things in context. Yes, when you see it driving down, like when, like for example, when you first, because I remember there were people like you know when you first saw like I was one of those people when I first saw the Tumblr in the Dark Knight. I'm like, really? Like that's what they're gonna go with? I mean, I mean, I didn't complain and, and bitch, but I was like, really? You're surprised? 
I was surprised. I'm like, okay, it's not. You know, you think Batmobile, you think car, you don't think tank. Right. You know, it's, it's like it's like that scene in the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. like this year Santa Claus is not using reindeer. Oh no, he's going total tank. <laughs> and and uh, you know, and it's like, and you're just Tim Allen sitting like, oh, like no. really? Uh... Yeah. And um, but no, that's the thing. <laughs> you know, it's just you know, and then you see it moving. You see that scene with Morgan Freeman and Christian Bailey is driving it in that facility, and you're like. Oh, this is pretty badass. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, maybe we just wait to see certain things in context before we overreact to every little thing on social media. And speaking of context, come up next and go with the context of what kind of comics you're reading. And we're talking digital versus non-digital. What do we prefer? Well, you're going to have to wait and listen for more down there. It's coming up next. Main topic, digital versus non-digital, coming up next. Well, I think we can all admit that it's a little bit of a different world in the comic book universe because everything's gone digital now, but sometimes you still like having that paper in your hand. So this week, Nick, we're going to talk about digital versus traditional comics. Where do we go from here kind of thing? Before I get into what I would prefer more, um, let me just give some statistics here so that way people can kind of get an idea of where we are going in the future here. All right. So back in March, uh, one of our earliest shows... We talked about Marvel phasing out physical comics and gear towards more of their app and going more towards digital. Um, that was back in March. So sales of comics, graphic novels, and digital comics totaled $750 million in 2012. I understand it's 2014, but there wasn't really any specific, you know, big numbers for 2013. There wasn't any so- solid numbers. Uh, 2013, however, digital comic sales told $90 million. Wow. Think of that. $90 that's, million. Dollars that's more comics. than I would have thought. That's more than I would have thought. In 2013. Um, you know, so I want to thank the people over a, over a diamond for with these numbers because this is just amazing. Definitely. Um, but, uh, no. So you ask, like, where, where are we going? You know, as I said, Marvel's starting to phase out. We want, you know, there's a lot of money on these you spent. And paper producing and, and, and making, you know, you know, soft cover paper, paper bags or even trades actually too, um, you know, and, and where could they go from here? And it's like, well, do we see an age where we can go all digital? I don't think so um, because even though there's an age where we, you know, you look at the newspaper, for example, um, it's a lot thinner. They're a lot thinner than they used to be. Oh, definitely. But there's still a need for them. Um, because there's just people that, that just want it, you know what I'm saying? Because of the job thing, you know, and just, uh, there's people that, that like that feel of paper in their hand, just turning the page and reading it. And also, you think about it too, um, one of the, uh, ads that, or stories I have, it's laminate, I had since I was a little kid, it was a story about Jim Abbott, who was a pitcher for the Yankees back in the 90s, um, and it was a laminated story about his no-hitter that he threw in 96 against the Indians, and it's it's that so people like getting getting papers um, for keepsakes, you know. If they cut out a picture, laminate it, you know, hang it up, frame it, and it's there forever. Um, you know, same thing with a comic. You put it, you bag, you board it, you hold it on your shelf for a while, and you know, hey, you have kids, grandkids, you want to hand it down here. Here's what I read. I and actually so- I actually have something very similar. Uh- one of the things that I just found that I didn't even know was part of my collection until recently when I had moved and I was uh, going through stuff. I have a... Uh, Action Comics number one. I have a... Well, I wish. 
Uh, this show would be very different if I had an action comics number <laughs> we'd one. Be, we'd, be, we'd, be, we'd be recording from an actual studio right yeah, now. <laughs> um, no, it was, uh, it's a laminated article, just like you said, of when I used to live in New Hampshire. Uh, we got a visit from the astronaut uh, Alan Shepard. And I'd met Alan Shepard and actually have the assigned uh, article from Alan Shepard from when I was younger. I didn't even know that I had. So, <laughs> you know, meeting an astronaut and, and getting the article from it and having actually it was a signed envelope that I had because I couldn't get the the article hadn't been printed yet. So I, right. took, the, I took the article, I laminated my mother laminated it for me and the envelope was with it that he signed. And that's a, like you said, it's a keepsake. And I think the other thing that you can't discount when it comes to comics and comics are very unique in this regard. And I think differ from books in general is that comics have never been seen as just entertainment. Comics are also collectibles. Yes. And what yes. do we like to do with our collectibles? We like to display them. Yeah. In my case, I like buying a big ass bookshelf like I do or like I have in my apartment. You've seen it yeah. and just put all my comics on it. And it's, it's great because you know, it's like, it's a lot. It's like, having, it's like in beauty and the beast from bells in that library and all those books are there. I like walking to my apartment and just walking by my bookshelf and like, let me scroll through my comics and see what I want to read. Because there are comics I have in my collection that I haven't read yet. Right, exactly. Comics. I mean, you uh, still get excited when you see a long box at a, at, a yes. yard, at a yard sale or something, too. And that lets me know there's comics in there. And I, and I, if in, the, in the Nerd Cave, I actually have a comic book display cases. And some of the variant covers that I've gotten from uh, Bob at Fantasy Escape, I've, you know, I've put them in the hard covers and they're up on the wall, you know, and I rotate some of them out sometimes, you know, sometimes it'll be a Harley Quinn. Sometimes it'll be a Batman variant that I'll have up there. And I've got several there. Uh, I like being able to walk into that room, look up and see not just, you know, art from guys like Matt Slay and Mark Deering and stuff like that, you know, prints that I've gotten, but actual comics. Yeah, and you know, you met, we were talking about this last night. Um, you said you know, we were talking about digital, and non-digital, and you said and you mentioned something that brought my piqued my attention. And you said, you know, if I'm going to the hospital and I got to sit and wait somewhere, you know, I don't want to have to bring six different comic books. You know, I want to be able to just bring my tablet and read them on you know, and digitally. And I thought about that. I said, well, and I thought to myself, well, you really think about it. Bringing a comic book to a place where you have to wait, like a doctor's office or whatever, that to read, is kind of like you know something like my mom used to do, where she would bring magazines to read, you know, mm-hmm. when she had a doctor's appointment. So it's not really that at all different. Um, and like I said it's not like you can, you don't have to, you can't bring like a, a baby bag or a backpack and you know and just put it, put them in there. Um, you know, and I think another thing is too is that I, I thought about this too is the reason why I don't do digital is you know, I know with, with both our jobs. We're staring at computer screens all day. There needs to be, I like having a time where my eyes aren't fixated on a bright screen right. where I can relax them and just focus and like read something and read a comic, you know, and, and not staring at a screen all day. And honestly, it, it, you know, it's just like I said, the feelings of the pages. You know, when I was talking about um, Justice Inc., I was talking about Justice Inc. the other day. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I said the great thing about that is that when you turn the pages, it feels like you're reading an old comic book, right. even though it's a brand new comic. That's what I loved about about Damien, Son of Batman, when they did that uh, that short-term arc with DC, is that they printed it on the old-school paper where it felt like an older comic, and I just it made me want to read it more 
which is weird, but it's just it made me want to read it more because of that reason. And another thing too is like, okay, you you it's a it's a summer day. You want to go to the beach, you know? Okay, you know there are people that read at the beach, you know? And you're saying, well, I don't want to bring a comic book because I don't want to get sand. I don't want to get ruined, which is understandable. But you bring a tablet. What's the one thing you have to worry about when bringing a tablet to the beach, other than getting sand in the in the, the underneath the screen inside of it and the battery? Well, other than people stealing it, you also have to worry about glare, screen glare. Well, and, that's not the case for all tablets, though. There are there are no, some that have come out now that have gotten way better with that stuff. But still, it's just the idea. You know, I don't want to, I want to be able to go in the ocean and not worry about somebody stealing my you know, expensive tablet. The reason that, and and I'm going to beat the digital drum a little bit, and I'm not saying that I prefer digital, but uh, one of the things that, and I'll go back to the collectibles thing, do you really want to drag out a number one of a comic that you just got that you want to read that you think might be worth something someday? Do you want to trot that out to the beach and get it sun damaged and, you know, potentially sand and water or if it gets rained on and then all of a sudden this number one version of a comic is now ruined so it's not a collector's item anymore and maybe not even readable anymore because uh, you took it out there. Now, if it's you, if you have that same comic digitally... You know, even if your tablet gets ruined, you're going to get another tablet, but nothing's happened to your comic. Well, here's the thing, though. A lot of comics nowadays are coming with digital copies. So Right, and that was going to be another that argument that, that I had. So that takes, that, that takes what you just said kind of out of the equation, because it's like, well, maybe I wouldn't want to bring, you know, you know, here's the thing. I wouldn't really bring a comic book to the beach. i bring a book. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I love, you know, autobiographies and biographies. I would bring one of those. You know, a non, you know, hardcover book, I'd bring that. Um, you know, but you, you, you know, you bring up collecting, and honestly, I'm gonna say this: I don't know if anybody's ever brought it up, but collecting comics is the geeky version of collecting baseball cards. Absolutely. You know, it, it is. It's like this. You know, that's that action comics number one. No matter how badly we would spend three million to buy it, um, you know, it's like having that that, that Babe Ruth rookie card. It's the Hornus. It's the Hornus Wagner of co- comic books. Yes, you know it's, it's it's like having that. You know, I mean, will the comics we buy today, the comics that we review we review today, be worth money? I'm not gonna say no because we just don't know. You never know. That's just the thing, especially, and that was the point I was gonna bring up. If if we start to trend in a digital way, suddenly every print comic now that doesn't come with a digital copy. Maybe becomes more scarce, maybe becomes more valuable. So maybe the print comics, as far as collector's items and worth, will actually start to increase because of an increase in digital purchasing. Right. And that's the thing. Um, but, another, but now with the digital purchasing thing comes the drawback. We mentioned Bob or Fantasy Escape. The middle person, you know, the, the local comic shop guys and gals, you know, that run their comic book stores, that, that's their livelihood. And that's and, what I hate about it the most. And that's the right thing. There. It's not like, you know, do I wish that they had, like, a loading station where you can, like, download the newest digital copy of something? Yeah, but there's not really a need for it because you can just go to Amazon or wherever and just, or, or the Marvel app and just say, okay, I'll spend three bucks, here's my credit card information, download it to my tablet or to whatever, or my phone, or whatever, and just give me it, you know, give me it, you know, that's the thing, um, 
you know, I love going to Bob's and just looking around and seeing all the figures and just all the comics. It's like, it's like, it's, it's, it centers me, you know, it it centers, you know, it was centered, you know, it's, it's just to be able to go in, because the thing is too, is, is when you look at like you and I, we do this podcast every week and we love talking to each other, but sometimes we like going somewhere else and just talking to somebody who might not, who might know more than us, yeah, or just, definitely, or or who can ref. You know, we're always looking for that next great deal or that next great comic. Who else is going to steer you in the right direction than somebody at your local comic book shop? But somebody at Barnes and Noble, nothing against them, but there's people there that work there for a job. You know, they're here to direct you where the book is, but they can't might not tell you about the book. Right. You know, you go to a comic book shop. The people that work there and at least own it read almost every comic that comes through their doors. Definitely. So, Definitely. So, that's, so like, Bob is a walking encyclopedia of comic book knowledge. Like, like he tells me, you know, they're getting they're releasing this comic, and it's, like, five months from it being released. And I'm like, whoa, like, he just knows when things are being released, how long the runs are going to be, who's yep. doing stuff. You and know, I mean, and it's that, and it's that conversation factor too. I mean, I'll go in there to pick up my pull, and then I'll, you know, I'll, I'll leave, and I'm getting in the car. I'm like, was I really there for 45 minutes? Yes. To do something that could have taken two minutes. It's because you're talking to Bob, or you know, somebody else that might be in the shop, and you're just getting lost in these conversations about whenever, comic books or whatever. Well, that's the thing too, and, and, you know, and that's the thing too is like, you know, we go talk to we go talk to Bob, and a lot of my and his conversation is, you know, we're talking about certain comics, but we're talking about, you know. Taiwan Comic Con's next month. The three of us are going to be there, you know. And we're just talking about, hey, you getting ready? Oh, yeah. What are you doing for? You know, what are you, you know, have you got your your banner yet? And we're just we're just talking, you know. And we're just and we're just like getting that, and just talk about planning and everything else, and just going over stuff. And it's just like, it's really grateful to have somebody like Bob. Like I said, Bob has, you know, he he got us a table at, at Taiwan Con because he liked what we did for Free Comic Book Day. Exactly. And he said. You know, and it shows. It's like when you have people in the community reaching out like that, that's great. Because, you know, I mean, even though we live in social media where anybody can, you know, type up, uh, hey, I like your show, going into a local store with somebody who's pretty well known, actually, um, it says, and he says, or they say, I like your show, that means to me more because you can put a face to it. Definitely. And it shows, like, you know, and. They said we have a partner. We have a a, a, a a partnership with him, you know, and it's it's great. So I mean, I'm you know, and it's just the fact of just the idea of just losing that, you know, to where you know it, it reminds me of this. Um, when we were, I don't know about you, but when I was in elementary school, we always had the Scholastic um, magazine yep. order forms that came in every yep. like second semester, and you got to order like a magazine, you know, twelve issues of a magazine. I hate would hate for the day when that happens when there's no more local comic book shops. The only way you can get your if you want if you still want your physical paper book is to order it through like a catalog. Right. And I would hate that because you I might agree. want that interaction. I agree, and I think that um, I would never want to see that go away. And I don't think it can go away as much as as much as uh, the nerd community as a whole can be kind of you know introverted. I guess yeah. is the best way to say it. There are so many that aren't and want that interaction like you're talking about. And I'm, I'm totally there with that. I just feel like there's got to be a way for, for them to live in harmony with local shops. I don't know if it's a kiosk 
or something like an ATM kind of thing for <laughs> digital comics where, okay, you stick this in here. We'll give you well, X percent like a comicsology kiosk. Yeah. You know, there was, and that's why I said, like, it'd be great if you can go like to, to like Bob's or whomever and download, you know, say, okay, take your tablet, plug it into the, the, the comicsology kiosk in the store and just download a digital comic there, and then, but they, however, they would still get, you know, Bob would still get some of the proceeds, you know. Or, and it's, and it's a way for them to make more money. It's a way for the comic book companies to make more money. It's a way for places like Comixology to make more money. Everybody, everybody wins. There's got to be a way for both to just coexist. You know, there, there, there's a way. You know, it, 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 there's there's definitely a way where both digital and non-digital comics can coexist. And the thing is too is because you know you look at like a tablet. They have so much memory on it. So, say for instance, you have the whole new fifty-two of Sinestro on your tablet, and that takes up all your gigs, you know, or most of them. You know, you're gonna have to delete them unless you have a a backup drive. But well, then you're spending two hundred, three hundred dollars on a backup drive to 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 back up your comics. Luckily, there's a cl- the cloud has really taken that out of out of the equation. Uh, there's so much. Everybody gives you cloud storage now for your for your books your ebooks or your comics so i mean you down you, you delete one in order to to download another and then if you want that other one back if you know d- depending on memory space you know you just re-download it at some point because you can auto you can always re-download it from your cloud now i think that one of the things that especially dc is doing right is that dc is giving you different runs on digital than they are in print like the Batman 66, which is based on Adam West, like the Flash Season 0, like Arrow Season 2.5, uh, the Sensation Comics with Wonder Woman, the Infinite Crisis line that they've got going on. DC actually has a release schedule for digital comics that are digital only. Now, Arrow's original comics started out that way and then moved into print after the fact, and I think that these two comics are going to do that as well, but it's going to be just like Injustice. You can get it quicker digitally than you can in print, but you have that option to also get it in print. So if you're giving me something that's digital only, that's different to me. But now the thing that I would say the kill shot is what Marvel's doing with the Marvel Unlimited subscription where you pay, I don't know what it is, $9.99 a month or something like that, and you can read almost any back issue from the Marvel universe and newer stuff that's coming down the pike for that low price. And don't get me wrong. It's a great deal, but how is that not the thing that's killing the local shops? If you think about it, what Marvel's doing with their, as you mentioned with their app and stuff, it's like what Netflix has did to blockbuster. Yeah. And the video rental places, and even Redbox, if you want to, as well. And there were mom and pop video rental places too. There were yeah. plenty of those. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mentioned in the previous episode. I remember my dad and I. We used to go to Wegman's Videos, man. And it used to be a huge section, like probably about a good quarter of the, the store, or less than a quarter of the store was video rental. My my aunt and uncle ran a sub shop slash video store back in New Hampshire back in the day with VHSs. So and you know, they eventually got driven out of that business because of places like Blockbuster when they started cropping up. So I know how it can happen to to you in that regard. But I think uh, if you're giving me the option to buy it, 
digital if if you give me let's say bat let's take batman the regular batman run or even batman eternal for example if i have the option today to buy it on digital or on uh or in print in the same day i'm gonna buy it in print right that's just what's gonna happen but if you're saying hey for flash season zero you can only get this digitally we may or may not release it in print in like um like two months but if you want it now, 99 cents, you get it digitally, something like that, I'm going to get it digitally because I want it before the show comes out. That's the whole point. So for something like that, I think digital is fine. But if you're saying that, oh, you can get the entire Captain America catalog for $9.99 a month for as much as you can read, that how is Bob going to sell his back issues now? Yeah. I mean, say you're trying to complete your cap run. You know, you got halfway through an arc back in the day. You never finished it. You want to finish it now. So what would be easier? Going from comic book shop to comic book shop, trying to find single issues, or going on the Marvel Unlimited app and just finish reading what you were reading? Unfortunately, the digital route is quicker if you just want to finish reading it. But really, don't you want that comic? Yeah. I mean, I mean you, it, want to ha- you want to complete that run. Me? I'm a collection freak. I got to complete a run. It's like Pokemon, man. You gotta catch them all. You know that's what it, that's what it is. It's, you know we mentioned it's like you have a son. I'm going to have kids someday. I want to be able to pass down to them something. You know. Yeah. Tech, my thing is technology changes. You know, so we have the cloud right now, but who knows? Maybe we'll have the sky. You never know. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Hey, we can store stuff in the sky, not in the cloud, but just like 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 air. Like we can store stuff in air. You know, years on the road, and it's like. Certain things might not transfer over because of the files that they are. So you have something like a, a, a hand, you know, a physical comic I can give to my son or daughter. You can give to your son right. and be like, "Hey, this is what Dad read, you know, at this time. Let's, you know, see if you like it." I like and, the the thing I like most about digital comics is right. that it gives me a backup for something I already have. Right. Like, say something happens, and for what, like, say I've got some comics with me. Uh, you know, like, say if you're moving, let's take moving for example. Uh, okay. your, your comics get lost in the move, or you get in a car accident, and things are wrecked, and suddenly there goes your comics. Well, if you have the digital copy, you've lost, sure, you've lost your physical copy, but you still, you could still read that comic because now you have a backup digitally in the cloud so in that regard i love the fact that if and i know you hate superior spider-man but if my (laughs) if my superior if my entire run of superior spider-man comics somehow gets destroyed it'll it'll be a win for all mankind i can still read them because i have the digital backups that i can always go back to and marvel does a better job at that than dc because dc's combo packs are a lot fewer and far between marvel just ships digital copies with all their comics which i think is something that marvel does way better than dc and i wish dc would get on board with that and dc doesn't do it for all their titles marvel doesn't either but they do it way more than dc does you know and this brings you know i just realized i'm looking at something right now um i'm looking we're doing this over skype and you know you don't have your webcam set up and what do i see the picture of you holding the comics with your biggest fucking smile on your face yeah free comic book day man that's exactly 
that joy, I don't think, can be replaced with digital comics. No, you, you know, don't with- get that thrill. That's exactly the point. You don't get the thrill of going on your Kindle, which I, I, have, a, I have a Kindle Fire HD. I don't have the same thrill of scrolling through the, the, the graphic novels area and going, oh, no way, that's out, and hitting a button. It's not the same as walking into Bob's and going, dude, look at that 3D cover for Future's End Green Arrow one-shot. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it's not the same thing. It's just it, and it never can be. There's no way. There's no way. You know, I mean, I like being able. To, I want to be able to pass them down to my kids. That's not just money. You know, I want to be able to pass them down like an interest of mine. You know, some people like some people give their kids like a you know a baseball glove that was theirs or something or whatever. You know, I want to give them something that's educational, something that, you know, they can read, you know, and kind of expand their mind, you know, and who knows, if they sell them, they sell them, but, you know, it's the fact of, you know, there was this um, this family friend I know, who he, he sadly passed away recently, um, and he used to work for Tops, the trading card company, and he had, he took it in his garage, and, dude, he had 20 big plastic bins of, like, storage bins Full of trading cards. You should see my closet here. I've got a lot of storage bins myself. It's kind of ridiculous. Not but 20, but those, still. But he had, like, very rare. He had, like, a Jeter rookie card, and it was amazing the stuff he had. But he gave them to his kids and, and when he passed. And it's just one of those things, you know? It's, it's like giving them a, a piece of something of you. Keepsakes. It's keepsakes. Yeah. yeah. You know, like some people give jewelry. You know, here's your dad's. Bracelet, your mother's necklace, you know, um, you know, your dad's cock ring. I don't know. You know, here you go. (laughs) (laughs) I think that, I think that, uh, there's a lot of, that's why I kept my older action figures, my Star Wars figures. I still have those from when I was a kid, the original ones. I've, I've got a lot of stuff that I've kept for, for that reason. I wanted to be able to pass it down. And, (laughs) but you gotta be, make sure that, that Jameson, when he's able to walk, doesn't grab and tear open the boxes and, Shoes on the head, and, and then there's that. But he'll get taught at a young age. But think about that. That's kind of an interesting thing to think about. I mean, we talk about what what would happen if there were no more paper comics. Think about living in a world without action figures. Oh God, what would that have been like? You can't. I mean, they have these digital games now, like Disney Infinity and, and games like that, where you can kind of live in that action figure world, but in a video game digital setting. Do you think that's ever going to replace actual action figures? Could you imagine that monstrosity? Oh God, I, no! That would be an <laughs> I mean, epic. I, I mean, that would be like just said, as my, epic of a tragedy. Like I said, my, like my birthday Sunday, my mom sent me in the mail my like this. I mean, you saw you saw it's, it's like literally a two foot. It's it's a good size Spider-Man action figure. Yeah, it's on top. Of, I'm not playing with it. It's on top of my TV stand. You know, I took it out of the box because it's not a collector's item. It's just, it was there. I'm like, I'm not going to put a box on top of my thing. So, and it's, it looks badass sitting on top, of my, on top of it. You know, I walk, again, walk into Bob's. He has all those figures. When you go to Comic-Con on October 18th at the Virginia Beach Convention Center and you see us and we're going to be right next to Bob, Bob's going to have all his, his, his figures. Epic. And he statues, has, epic. He has this Deadpool figure. I will never take it out of the box when I buy it. And it's 25 bucks. I can't imagine an infinity version of Deadpool. <laughs> I'm sorry. But Deadpool's one of those guys where I'm like, he's not making it to Disney Infinity. 
No, and and I think that, I mean last time I was at one of the Mega Nerd Garage shelves for Top Order Comic Con, I picked up a Deadshot and a Captain Cold figure because at some point I want to pass that down to my son and you know let him be able to play. With. I mean they're they're loose figures too, so I've got nothing to lose there. And you also want to have those father-son bonding moments where you're teaching him how to brush Batman's cape properly. Exactly. I, we were in Target the other day, and we were walking through in the aisles, and I said to my wife, I said, how bad is it that I just want to go buy him an action figure, even though he's not even a month old, and he wouldn't be able to play with it for like two <laughs> years, but I just want to like hang it on the wall, and then there's that moment when he turns the right age where you just take it off the wall and be like, okay, son, it's time kind of thing. It's like it's, it's, it's that coming of age. It's like it's like when you were building his crib. It's that rite of passage. It's like you know. It's like being a kid. To me, being a kid, the ultimate rite of passage is you're able to go into a store. Your parents said don't. Your parents didn't say don't touch anything. Right. Exactly. You know. It's like handing him. You know. Here is this immaculate. Your first toy. Play with it. Granny will probably stick it in his mouth and chew on it, but. You know, and drool over it, but hey, it's 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 fine. <laughs> Think about that when you get to that age where, you know, you're ready, right? And the, you know, dad grabs the long box that you're never you were never allowed to touch. You sit down on the couch next to your and you next say, to your and son, goes, and he goes, "Son, this is what a woman looks like." And you say, "Exactly." And you say, "You know what, son? It's time." You sit down, you take that comic out of the bag, and then you just you just start <laughs> reading comics. And then you have, you have that that Jim and Jim's father moment from American Pie. Yeah, I mean exactly. You, <laughs> I mean there's there's those moments that you you just you can't do digitally. You just can't do it. So that's what it does. Digital comics do not give you memories, unlike paper comics do. Digital and I and I and I feel this way about movies and comics and pretty much anything digital. To me, the digital world is a backup world. It's a place for me to put my photos, a place for me to put my movies, my music, my, you know, anything that I can store. Sex tape. I mean, well, no, never. We know that. We know that for a lot of reasons now. No, never do that. Um, it's a place for me to store things that I don't, that I have the originals of already. I'm not talking about your sex tape. You know, I'm talking about Cody's sex tape. Oh, gosh. I mean, I've only watched that five times. You know? <laughs> just, just. Can't I? I you, just, you just can't make it to the end, can you? Well, Every, you're you're you could go catch the live show. You're going to Cody's after this. I right? am going to Cody's after this. Yeah, it's gonna be about a nice. It's gonna be a nice forty-five minute drive, actually. You better hope that keyhole's not dirty, because you're gonna need to look through there. <laughs> oh God! And speaking of that, that's gonna wrap up this week's uh, episode of Down and Nerdy. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on digital comics and 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 paper comics I and mean, we want your input too go on our facebook page facebook.com slash down nerdy or our twitter uh down nerdy 757 tweet us post emails at down nerdy podcast at gmail.com what would you prefer would you go the digital route would you go the the paper route and why and what you know what is your take on handing down comics and and stuff you would like to do and just memories you know, and don't forget, we're going to be at Tidewater Comic Con October 18th. We're going to have our own booth. We're going to be there. We're going to be doing a live show. Feel free to come by, say hi, you know, be on the show, take part in this, you know, and uh, sit you know. next lap. Um, <laughs> but, anyways, um, no. So, I mean, there's ways to support us, you know, again, support your local shops and, you know, and just. Take time to appreciate what we have. 
you know, especially on today, today is September 11th, take time, appreciate what you have, who you have in your life, and just don't take things for granted. And and just, you know, go to your local comic book shop. Even if you're not going to buy anything or you're ready to pick your poll, and just go to somebody like Bob or a store owner and say, you know, thank you for everything you do for the community and just providing a, a release and, and a, a way for people to expand their, their minds and their imaginations because that's what they do. Definitely, definitely. And you can reach us on Facebook. You know, Facebook.com slash down nerdy. I'm on Twitter at Nick Tagli25 James. I'm at James Ace with them on Twitter. And of course, like we're saying, support your local shops and support your local cons wherever you might be if you're not in the area for Tidewater Comic Con. Find out what your local con's gonna be. Exactly. And we know where we're gonna be, and we have a pretty pretty kick-ass spot. We're not gonna say where, but it's gonna be it's a pretty pristine spot. We'll post it when we when we when we can tell you. We'll let you know. Yeah, and we're also working also for some future shows. We're working on some guests, um, some local uh, artists in the local in the area. We're working on, and we're, we'll let you know more about that as the weeks progress. But for that being said, always pay the safe comic reading people, bag and bridge comics, and don't buy digital. <laughs>